The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, the final day of November. Already here we are tomorrow starting the 12th month of the year of 2021. Seems like it's just been whizzing right by. And uh, we have a uh, we have a tremendous show today for you here on uh, ESPN Tucson with the Jeff Dean Show here every single weekday as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show from seven to nine a.m. here on 1490 a.m. 104.9 FM and uh, also streaming live on the website. If you go to ESPNTucson.com, you just click on the uh, little listen live button. And uh, you can tune in that way. Also, if you want to lis- listen at your leisure, you are welcome to download the podcast that we upload every single day. And you can get that everywhere you get your podcasts. If you're a uh, podcast listener, all the different uh, avenues and and, uh, and sites and apps that you get your, your podcast from is where you'll also find the Jeff Dean Show every single day. So glad to be back here day two after the return from uh, from the Rona that uh, that uh, got me early on in the uh, in the month glad to be back with you guys here and plenty of stuff to get into today um, we had a uh, we had some some great discussion yesterday we discussed uh, you know basically wrapping up the wildcats football season uh, kind of talking about what we learned about the team what we can expect in this off season and of course we'll continue to have wildcat news obviously they're going to be hiring a defensive coordinator hopefully by the end of the week uh, jed fish will have his defensive coordinator named and uh, there have been certainly no shortage of rumors of names of uh, of people that uh, would be brought in here and i just you know i just caution people remember that uh, jed fish has made a lot of contacts in his short time and really you know relatively speaking his short time working uh in the world of football you know 20 20 years is a uh, is a short time when you consider there are coaches in there that have uh, out there that have been around for 50 plus years and uh, so jed fish has made plenty of contacts we know this um you know jed has made a lot of friends during his time and his stints at the different stops that he's been at so i would not be surprised if the uh, defensive coordinator is a name that we weren't expecting or like oh who's this guy and you're like oh he's been you know in the nfl for the last 13 years running defenses and you know you just never know where uh, where that could come from so we're excited to uh, to hear about that um, Arizona did have a, a couple of players declare for the uh, for the uh, the, uh, the transfer portal yesterday. Tight end Stacy Marshall um, he declared for the transfer portal. I believe he has one year of eligibility remaining, maybe two years, uh, one or two years of, of eligibility remaining. Regardless, um, you know Stacy Marshall didn't get uh, a whole ton of uh, of playing time. This year, uh, you know, when he was brought in, it was a lot of situations where uh, he wasn't going to be uh, pass catching. He was uh, used in the running game a lot as Arizona relied on their wide receivers and uh, trying to get the ball, drive the ball downfield uh, a little bit more. Also, cornerback JV on Carr put his name into the transfer portal as well. He's a freshman, and uh, so he'll be uh, he'll be looking for a, a new stop to take his talents to as well, and we wish them both uh, the best as former Wildcats, and uh, it opens up two more roster spots for Arizona 
And, um, you know, we mentioned yesterday that the, you know, the exiting seniors, super seniors, you, you know, all, all the people who are out of players who are out of eligibility would leave Arizona with about 23 roster spots available. Um, there was a potential for seven more if those players decided to either go pro or just essentially retire their eligibility at this point, even though they have um, uh, you know potential for a uh, for another year, they can they can um, you know petition the the NCAA for another another year of eligibility. This opens up two more spots. Arizona has fifteen verbal commits. Actually, now uh, sixteen. Well, I, I mean, well, yeah, sixteen verbal commits because the signing period obviously hasn't started. As uh, Arizona got a verbal commitment, a very strong verbal commitment from an offensive lineman from Gilbert Highland yesterday, late last night, actually. Is uh, is when he announced it, so uh, so that's good news. He is a uh, a second team All State uh, performer for um, for for Highland. Has very good football program, high school football program here, uh, not too far from where I'm at. Uh, they're very good. So Arizona getting a a nice commitment from an offensive lineman. It's it's a it's an area of need that Jed Fish said that they're going to have to address this off season. Uh, the linebacker position and the offensive line position have to be targeted. And uh, they went out and got themselves a verbal from a uh, from a young man who's going to be looking to be joining the program uh, come this uh, come this spring. So excited about that! Well, and, and again, we'll continue to update you on everything Wildcat football related. Obviously, you know, keeping it local here as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We will uh, we will make sure that you're abreast of all the information as we uh, as we get it, and of course, the opinions and things that go along with all of that as well. Kind of a, a, a crazy game last night. <laughs> you know, if you look at the score, you're like, eh, it's kind of a weird score, 17-15. I don't believe it was a scoregami, though. I would have gotten a notification for that. Uh, so no scoregami last night in the 17-15 finale as uh, Washington beats Seattle. Seattle just, wow. Man, now they're 3-8. and eight. They are struggling mightily. They are in the, uh, in the deep cellar in the NFC West. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to this season so far and look, it's a fracturing that has been occurring for several years in that locker room. And it's strange because, you know, Pete Carroll is, um, I don't want to put him up there with the likes of like a Phil Jackson or something where a a coach who can really get, uh, superstar players and get them to all get along you know, I had a, I had a lot of conversations back in the day when I was covering the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Mike D'Antoni and I had a good relationship, and you know, Mike and I would often sit in his office after games, after all the players had left, and just sit and talk basketball. You know, just I mean, just literally talk X's and O's, talk basketball, talk philosophies, or just you know whatever. I'd make fun of him for his golf game or whatever. Um, you know, and and it was always difficult. As great a coach as Mike D'Antoni is, X's and O's. Um, scheme-wise, putting together game plans for teams. Uh, he, you know, he was actually a really good practice coach. He's, he's well-regarded uh, for the way he runs his practices. Uh, players like playing for him. The problem with Mike D'Antoni is he, he did not like big egos. Mike D'Antoni is not a big ego guy. He's very humble. Uh, you know, I mean, he was a, a superstar when he played overseas in Italy and really – you know, didn't you know? Didn't take advantage of that uh, probably the way that he should have, um, but he, he he couldn't manage the egos, and that Phoenix Suns team had a lot of them. 
it was very difficult for Mike D'Antoni to get that team tugging the rope in the same direction. There were a lot of fractures in that locker room that people aren't aware of, and I'm not going to get into it all right now, but uh, it, it was difficult for, for Mike to, to get all of that talent to want to play together for 48 minutes every single night. And I don't want to put Pete Carroll up there with the likes of a Phil Jackson who did a phenomenal job for many, many years in the NBA getting superstars to all play together, getting the chemistry right uh, as the Zen master, as he's been uh, nicknamed, of course. But Pete Carroll over the years has done very good at getting superstar rosters to all work together. It's difficult in the world of sports, regardless of whether it's professional or amateur sports. You know, the, you know these these you know athletes. They are they are elite, finely tuned athletes. They are a a very very uh, rare bunch, and they know that they you know they get that. They know what their athletic ability is. They know uh, that they're faster than everybody that they grew up with. They're stronger than everybody. They're bigger than everybody. Whatever have you, more skilled. And when you get that many guys in a locker room, sometimes it can be difficult. And I've always thought that Pete Carroll was really good at managing that, but. Something happened a few years ago when Russell Wilson signed that gigantic, ridiculous contract that eats up, I think it's like 24% or 22%, some ungodly number of the Seattle, uh, of the entire Seattle uh, uh, salary cap number. So it, it, has, it has started to cause problems where they say, well, you know, we can't pay you even though you're one of the league's best this, you know, best linebackers, best corners, whatever, uh, you know, defensive pass rushers, whatever. We can't pay you because we, you know, Russ has got that money. You know, we don't, we don't have any room in our uh, in our payroll for you because we had to pay Russ all that money. And so Russell Wilson, before he even got that contract, there were problems inside that locker room, and now the team is losing. Pete Carroll, I, I don't want to say he's lost the locker room because I don't think it's on him. Uh, I think it's just a situation where Russell Wilson, as good of a player as he is, I don't think people like him. I mean, I, just personally, I don't think a lot of people like him. Then he goes out there and he he does this, you know, he, he injures his finger. Look, it was a substantial injury, for, especially for a quarterback on their throwing hand. I get it. But the guy had finger surgery. And he put out like this pictorial like of him flexing in his hospital bed alongside of his wife saying, I made it through the surgery and, oh, you know, look at me. And, I'm, and then he, he's working out 15 hours a day to get, to get back to his teammates and stuff. And people are just like, dude, knock the BS off. Like, seriously. Like, we don't need this BS. You'll get back when you, when you get back. Can we stop making this a social media circus all centered around you and how hardworking you are, how brave you are, and what a hero you are to the city of Seattle. I mean, it got, it, it, it's gotten kind of ridiculous. And I think that there's 52 players in that locker room, maybe, you know, probably less. I'm just, you know, just math purposes. There are 53 guys on the roster. There might be 52 guys in that locker room that just can't stand his guts. And it shows, man, they are playing terrible football. And it's not like Washington went out there and was gangbusters. They got a couple of guys hurt. They got their kicker hurt last night on a crazy play that you never see happen. In fact, it's a play that's never happened, um, as far as I know, in uh, in in the NFL's history of of having this. You know, the rule where you can you know you can return a a, a PAT for points. Rasheen Green, who blocked the PAT that got Joey Sly hurt. 
I think is the first player ever to block, recover, and score on the same play on a PAT, which is, you know, it was a crazy play. It was just a weird game altogether. Uh, but Washington ends up getting the win, although there were there were some, some tense moments late. You know, Ron Rivera now has no kicker. Joey Sly hurts himself on the block PAT. He's got no kicker, so he has to go for it on fourth and goal from the two- or three-yard line, whatever, I think it's three-yard line. They throw the ball to Logan Thomas. It looks like he's kind of just like right on the goal line, just posting up just in, right on the end zone line there. And uh, Taylor Heineke, and I'll, I'll, just a quick aside here, I love Taylor Heineke's athleticism. I think he's, he's got some real spark to him. He's completely, uh, I guess the, the word would be um, inconsistent, I guess that's probably the best word to 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 describe him. But God, his athleticism—he can—he's got a rocket for an arm. He can run. He's a big, strong kid. God, does he make some bad decisions from time to time? Regardless, looked like a good throw. I thought Logan Thomas got as much depth as he possibly could as he's trying to post up a linebacker there. And they called it a touchdown on originally. Then the the, the review comes in. They say nope. He was short of the of the goal line. That was on a fourth and three play. So they. Uh, they turned the ball over on downs to the uh, to the Seahawks, and then the Seahawks with whatever it was like two minutes and six seconds, or I think whatever what time it was, they got the ball back, and Russ took him right down the field. Bang, 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 thirty-two yard touchdown play, and now all of a sudden it's two point game, and they go for the two point conversion. They go back to the player who scored the touchdown. I can't remember who his, what his name is to be honest with you. I, I was like, who the heck is that guy? Um, <laughs> they went back to him, didn't convert the two-point conversion. Then the the Seahawks recover the onside kick, and then it was there was a flag on the play. They were lined up incorrectly. They have to kick it again, and, of course, you're not going to recover back-to-back uh, onside kicks, not in the NFL, certainly. And, uh, and that was it. The Washington was able to, to just kneel on the ball, run the clock out, and that was it. Um, it there was all kinds of – there was – uh, uh, there was a malfunction at the stadium, like a sprinkler burst at halftime or something, and God, there was there was like pipes bursting on fans, and uh, this is like the second time this year that that's happened. And I, crazy night in the NFL in Washington, but the Washington uh, football team they move on to five and six, and they're kind of slowly clawing their way out of the cellar of the uh, of the uh, the NFC East, where the Cowboys are kind of languishing right now. They're not playing good defense at all. Um, the offense kind of went away for a couple of games. Then they give up 6,000 yards to Derek Carr and the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Um, all of a sudden, they, you know, they've started to slide, and they find themselves kind of middling uh, amongst the, you know, the, the, you know, the middle top tier of the uh, of the NFL as it stands right now. And I do have my NFL power rankings, which we'll reveal here in uh, in just a little bit. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's all fluid and obviously I like to do it every two weeks and, uh, it's been quite some time since I've put out a, an NFL power ranking. So I felt it was uh, important for me to, to, to bring one out today. I don't think there's any real surprise of who the top two, three, four teams are going to be. Uh, but I do want to talk about it. And I, I think it's, it's something that is warranting of, uh, of some opinions and some thoughts and basically, you know where the, I think the teams are going based on their you know, current situation, whether it be injuries or um, just trends and things like that uh, going on. So we'll talk about that coming up 
Uh, probably, I think we'll do it after the break here, maybe maybe at 7.30. We'll talk about that because I do want to uh, talk about the Suns and the Warriors, that game going on tonight. Of course, you can listen to that game right here on ESPN Tucson, your Tucson home for the Phoenix Suns, your radio home for the Phoenix Suns right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. And uh, that coverage starts at 7.30, so you can listen to Spears and Ali from 3 to 6, have some dinner, and then turn on the game and listen right here on the uh, on the radio to the uh, to the Phoenix Suns. It's two best teams in the NBA. Uh, Going to be a, you know, a lot of excitement around this game around the league. They actually play each other again on Friday. So the Suns are going to go to San Francisco on Friday to uh, to play the Warriors there. So this is going to be a fun week for uh, for the you know for the NBA, especially for Suns fans and Warriors fans. As these two teams lock horns, I mean, they're easily the two best teams in the NBA. Suns having the 16-game winning streak. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit as well. The NCAA coaching carousel continues to go round and round and round as several coaches were named to new jobs yesterday. Uh, A surprising one. I don't think it came out of nowhere, per se, because Brian Kelly, the now former head coach at Notre Dame, has obviously put together an incredible resume. He's the winningest coach in the history of the Fighting Irish. He's the third winningest coach currently sitting uh, at a head coaching position in college football behind Nick Saban and uh, Mac Brown. He's had the third most wins of of any other coach currently in the in the uh, in the country. So you know his resume speaks for itself. Uh, LSU threw a ton of money. I mean, they backed up the Brinks truck 10 years, 100 plus million dollars. You expected that to happen. Um, and then we'll get some information about the Lincoln Riley uh, contract uh, coming up, maybe, uh, as well as we you know, we may or may not get the full terms of, of what his contract will be, because of course USC is a private school, so we may not uh, be privy to that information, but I can guarantee, I mean, he's making $7.5 million at Oklahoma, I guarantee he's making north of $8 million a year plus probably a lot of other incentives at USC. A couple of Pac-12 schools got themselves their new head coaches. They named their new head coaches. We'll talk about that coming up in the coaching carousel. Plus, what's up for uh, Oklahoma and Notre Dame now as both of those big-time programs currently sitting without a head coach, and they're going to have to put things into uh, into motion real quickly if they uh, don't want to get too far behind on the recruiting trail. But you know, some of the hot names out there are guys that are not going to be available to take jobs for another few weeks. So that could play into their decisions as well. So we've got that coming up in the show today. Major League Baseball, the offseason signings are outrageous right now. Major League Baseball just continues like every single year. It all, it seems like, God, that guy got $200 million or this guy signed a 10-year contract. It happens every single year, and it's already happening. There's We're like six days in. And Major League Baseball teams have gone absolutely nuts in regards to uh, the players and the money and the years of the contract, the the contract lengths and things like that. So we'll talk about that coming up. And uh, Tiger Woods addressed the media at length yesterday talking about his future and uh, what we can expect to see from him in the in the near future is in regards to the uh, the PGA. So we'll talk about that. We got a whole lot of things to get into today. Stick around. One of our co-workers, Miguel, he's a, just a great benevolent man. Uh, he's raising money to help the children in southern, uh, in southern Arizona, in Tucson, in our most needed areas here in Tucson. He's raising money to buy toys for some of our poorest families 
here in southern Arizona. And if you would like to make a donation to Miguel's cause, you can go to ESPNTucson.com and make a kid's Christmas this year a very, very merry one. Coming up next, we'll talk some NFL, continue to talk some NFL, NCAA coaching carousel, as I mentioned, plus Suns and Warriors, whole lot to do here on a Tuesday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Stick around right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the Wildcat men's basketball team opens up conference play this week. First week of December as they host Washington on Thursday night. Uh, I wish... I wish I could be there. Uh, I still have not been cleared for that aspect of, uh, of my job for certain reasons, um, unfortunately. So looking to hopefully return um, in a couple weeks, in two weeks, uh, back to the McHale Center. I, man, I, I've, been, I've been missing that big time. Um, you know, I love, love my job there as PA announcer for the, uh, for the men's basketball team, and it has been a struggle for the last month seeing how good – the team is playing and not being able to enjoy it right there front and center and and uh, calling the game for the uh, for the great fans at McHale Center so hopefully soon um, I'll be back speaking of uh, being back Terrell Brown uh, who was with the Wildcats of course last year transferred from uh, transferred from uh, Seattle uh, the previous season uh, with Sean Miller there uh, but the uh, Terrell Brown makes his return to the McHale Center in the Washington Huskies jersey that he's now donning, and he is the Pac-12 Player of the Week. Um, he had uh, 23 points, five and a half rebounds, and four assists during the four games that Washington played last week. They went two and two um, in those games, and uh, he wins his first Pac-12 Weekly Award. He was also named to the All Tournament Team of the uh, the Crossover Classic that they played in. So, um, so Arizona will be seeing Terrell Brown back and uh, a Pac-12 player of the week. Also, um, the the Wildcats will then be, you know, of course, be traveling. Um, they'll be traveling to uh, Colorado. Um, they, uh, they're they going to be taking on, uh, they, you know, they'll see K.J. Simpson, who was the Pac-12 freshman of the week uh, as well. So there'll be uh, some interesting uh, little side stories there for Wildcat basketball as they get ready to start. Pac-12 play because of the expanded Pac-12 season. Uh, the Pac-12 thought it would be wise to start the season even earlier. So I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll you know we'll see. Uh, I, I don't particularly care for it, but you know because I like to play all the kind of conference games in a row because the Cats are going to have to play a home game and then travel to play a road game a day later, which I, it just doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Just have the home and home, you know, situation of back-to-back home games, just like you normally would during the regular season. So I'm not liking the travel schedule that uh, that the Pac-12 has laid out, because then the Wildcats are going to be going on the road for quite some time. I mean, Wildcats won't be back in McHale till after the New Year. So um, I mean, they, I mean, well, not after these games. They have a couple of games. They got Cal Baptist coming up and stuff like that. Actually, the Cal Baptist game, we'll talk about that. They've got an NBA player on that team. Uh, a future NBA player, 
it could be they, it could be a little scary if that kid decides to go off. So we'll talk about that coming up when it's time for the uh, for the Cal Baptist game. That game's uh, next Saturday or the 18th, I think it is. Um, I don't have my schedule in front of me, but somewhere around there. I'm still trying to catch up with everything that I missed <laughs> during the last month that uh, that I was out. So trying to uh, trying to catch up with that and trying to keep future plans in in uh, place as well. But uh, super excited to to get back to seeing that team. Of course, they uh, they opened up again as I mentioned against uh, Washington. Washington's been really bad. Uh, at one point, they were they played Eastern Washington. Was it the, the the beginning of last week? And Eastern Washington was favored by like five and a half points in that game. Washington won the game. They got the upset apparently, I guess, over Ewash. Uh, that's kind of that's just embarrassing that a Pac-12 team would be uh, a five or five and a half point dog to Ewash, but. Such is life in uh, Seattle with Mike Hopkins right now. They just don't have any talent. They're not. He's not able to recruit anybody. Uh, and then with that complicated defensive system, it takes them time to gel and get that defense right. And as we've seen the last couple of years, uh, the last well, the last few years, you know, in in Seattle, it's been difficult for them. Even at the end of the season, they have so many breakdowns defensively. And uh, at least the Wildcats have been able to score quite easily at times and score a lot of points uh, against that quote-unquote vaunted Syracuse defense that uh, that Mike Hopkins has employed there at uh, uh, at Washington at UW. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm not exactly sure how much longer uh, Hopkins is going to be welcomed there uh, in Seattle. You know, it's a, it's, it's a – look, Lorenzo Romar put together a great program there. He always had great recruiting classes. He sent a lot of guys to the NBA. They competed for Pac-12 championships, and they have been longing for the return of Lorenzo Omar's. You know, as as weird as things got there at the end, you know, the fans because I was I was at one of his last games that he coached there. I was uh, on the radio call there, and the fans were just compl- they were all over him. Like any time there was a breakdown or if he had to call a timeout because of a you know the Wildcats went on a run, like I think we were on like a seven zero run or a eight one run or something like that and he called timeout and the fans were all over him and I'm like, geez, <laughs> give the guy a break. You know, and then Sean Miller hires him as an assistant. I was able to travel and, you know, be with the team for the for the year that uh that Loro was with the team, went to Seattle with the team and walked into a restaurant with Loro and the entire place stood up, gave him a standing ovation. The chef came out of the kitchen and was like welcoming him and it was like this big teary eyed affair and stuff. And man, I tell you, they miss him big time. They're especially missing him big time right now, uh, up in Seattle. So Wildcats taking on the Huskies Thursday night in the McHale Center. There are some tickets available for that. Get your tickets and go see some Pac twelve action. Early in December, before before Christmas, which is strange to think about. Uh, coming up after the break, we will get into the my NFL power rankings. Uh, I want to just kind of introduce those to you guys. It's been five weeks, I think, since I've had them last. So uh, I want to make sure that we get those out and give you some opinions on on who you know who I think the top sixteen teams are, why I think they are in the position that they're currently in, and what their future holds based on trends and injuries and things like that. And then, of course, we'll get into Suns and Warriors coming up in a bit as well. Basketball fans, you can celebrate the NBA's 75th anniversary season on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can place their first bet risk-free. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back. So 
if you've been waiting to bet NBA, if you've been waiting to jump on FanDuel Sportsbook and you want to bet the big game tonight, Suns and Warriors, two best teams in the NBA, it's the perfect time to do it because you get a risk-free bet if you're a new, uh, if you're a new customer. Uh, the app is super easy to use. It's easy to register. You can deposit and withdraw via Venmo now, which is awesome. When you do win, you get paid out in as few as two hours. There's all kinds of great odds boost, special ongoing promotions, and live betting that you can jump in. If you're seeing a trend in the game that you like, you can jump right in the fast lane and get betting right there live. And it's just awesome. There's no better place to bet the NBA than on FanDuel. And if you already have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, awesome. Because they're going to be hooking up customers with the $50 Refer-A-Friend program. So when you refer a friend, you get 50 bucks, and your friend gets 50 bucks. Just invite them using your exclusive referral link, which can be easily found in the app when you tap the, the, uh, the refer icon on the app. See for yourself why America's number one sportsbook is FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the Sportsbook FanDuel, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up using my promo code DEAN, and you can get your risk-free bet up to $1,000. Use it tonight in the Big Suns Warriors game. That's the promo code DEAN, my last name, D-E-A-N, so that they know that I sent you. 21 and over in President Arizona. First online real money wager only. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More after this on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Tuesday morning, November the 30th. Let's do some NFL power rankings, shall we? Now, before I get into my top 16, I do the, I do the top 16. That's my power rankings. I don't do top 10. I like to go that extra mile and uh, go through the, the top 16 teams because – it's half the NFL, and I think it's good to know who the top half are. I think we have a good idea of who the top, you know, the top quarter are and the bottom quarter are for sure. Um, a couple of teams that are not going to be in the top sixteen that, but deserve a little bit of of conversation here, real quick before I get into the actual power rankings. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, you know, a good football team. They've lost four in a row. They lose Jameis Winston to an ACL tear. He's out for the season. Michael Thomas. Uh, basically announces to the world that he won't be back from his ankle injury. Not exactly sure what his motivation is to play football right now. He doesn't seem like he's all that interested in playing. You know, they lose Alvin Kamara uh, for a few games, and they've had other, some, you know, some other key injuries as well. They can't throw the football, but this was their toughest stretch of games. They're currently five and six. I think the defense is good enough to keep them in all of these new games that are going to be coming up over the next several weeks in the home stretch. Look for the Saints to kind of hold uh, hold steady and kind of see maybe where they are in a few weeks. I think they're good enough to still win some football games and maybe be in the hunt for that seventh playoff spot. Speaking of the seventh playoff spot, the Minnesota Vikings, of course, just dropping that game to San Francisco over the weekend. Still a good football team. They're up and down. They lose their, you know, of course, you know, they, you know, they lose Dalvin Cook to a shoulder injury. We'll be interested to see what, you know, what that looks like. But again, another team with some easy scheduling coming up. They got the Lions, they got the Bears coming up. So, 
the benefit of some easy scheduling there. And then another team who I think is just kind of uh, – they've lost it. Like, they're done. Uh, uh, this this team with a an incredibly impressive roster has just gotten worse and worse and worse over the last five, six weeks, and that's the Cleveland Browns. Their offense has absolutely gone in the tank. They are not playing well. Baker Mayfield probably needs to shut it down for the season. His injuries have hurt the team. Uh, they need to consider shutting him down for the for the remainder of the season uh, and also consider who their their quarterback's going to be next year. I do not think it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I just – you can't continue to have someone that is that immature and that inconsistent as your quarterback if you want to continue to – or try to get into the playoffs at least – um, and you can't give him big. You can't give a guy like that big money. So you got to figure something out for the quarterback position going into next season. But their their season's done, in my opinion. I don't think they got what it takes to get to the playoffs. And that's it. All right, my number sixteen team is the Los Angeles Chargers. They're a hard team to figure out. They play a lot of close games. You know, they beat Philly by three points. They had a shootout with Pittsburgh, which was one of the stranger games this season. Forty-one thirty-seven. Uh, was that game. They get blown out by the Broncos over the weekend. Uh, they have no backup running back. Uh, uh, J- Justin Herbert is their second leading rusher on the season. He's got like 230 yards or whatever rushing behind Austin Eckler. If Austin Eckler goes down, they're in big, big trouble. But right now, good enough for the 16th spot. In the 15th spot, uh, this is basically a slew of AFC West teams right here. I have the Raiders at 15. And the reason I have them at 15 is because I think that looking ahead between them and the Broncos, who I have at 14, not only do I think the Broncos have a a more favorable schedule, their defense is playing better right now. Their defense is playing lights out, actually. Uh, and the offense is doing just enough to win some football games. And they're, 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 they're a good football team. So I have the Raiders at 15, the Broncos at 14, um, all three of those teams, six and five, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, and the Chiefs are coming up in a little bit, which we'll talk about in a moment. My number 13 team is the Indianapolis Colts. Another hard team to figure out. They're six and six. However, five of those wins were against teams that had a losing record at the time that they played them. They have not played well against teams with winning records. I think if they played the 49ers today, I think they would lose that game by two touchdowns. It's a hard team to figure out right now. They have they, they have gone to the well so many times, throwing the ball deep to Michael Pittman, who's a, a phenomenal player. He's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, big target, can run. I, I just don't know if I believe so much in, uh, in Carson Wentz. They have some great individual pieces. I think they have the best, maybe the, you know, if not the best, the second best offensive lineman in the entire league in Quentin Nelson at left guard. They've got the dynamic running attack, of course, you know, with Jonathan Taylor. Carson Wentz makes some mistakes here and there, but he's athletic and he can make some plays. And they got Michael Pittman, and they have some really good players on defense. Quiddy Pay is a fantastic player for the Colts, and they have several other guys as well. They just – I don't know if they can put all the pieces together. It seems like Frank Reich puts together a, a good game plan for them every single week, and they continue to get in these shootouts where they're just back and forth and back and forth. I got the Colts at 13. They're a volatile team. They're they're good enough to be a top 10 team, and yet they are 
they have a potential to be, you know, the, a, a twenty or twenty-first team in the in the power rankings overall. So we'll continue to, to hold uh, hold serve on what we think the Colts are going to be doing over the next few weeks. Number twelve, I got the Rams. Another team that is struggling against teams with winning records. They're six and zero against every team that they've played that doesn't have a winning record. Teams with winning records, they're one and four against. They got smacked around by the 49ers. They got smacked around by the Tennessee Titans. And right now, they're on a three-game losing streak for the second time in Sean McVay's tenure in his five years in Los Angeles. Matthew Stafford has not just been throwing interceptions. He's been throwing pick sixes. Like, balls that go right back through the end zone for instant points for the the opposing team. That's a huge, huge problem. We know the roster is built for a run of the Super Bowl. They're just not playing like it right now. So I've got them number 12 overall, even at 7-4, and four, a nice record, currently sitting firmly in the, uh, you know, in the playoffs. But, man, uh, there, are, there are problems with that team. They have, a hard, they have a difficult time running the football, and teams are able to get away. Offenses are able to kind of scheme away from their strengths on defense, which is, of course, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So uh, the, the Rams are an interesting prospect right now. The team could finish – with 12 wins, they could finish with eight wins. <laughs> Not exactly sure where they're going right now. Again, strange NFC that we got going on uh, currently in the NFL. My number 11 team is the 49ers. Look, they've won three in a row. They've won four of their past five. They've looked impressive doing it. Um, the defensive line is starting to really dominate teams. Nick Bosa, even though he's not putting up league-leading numbers, if you look at some of the like uh, some of the like the the statistics that are like analytical type statistics, he's just wrecking offensive lines right now. He leads the league in double teams. He's been double teamed more than any other pass ru- any other pass rusher. Pardon me. I think Aaron Donald leads the entire league in double teams. Uh, he leads the league of, as far as pass rushers in double teams. He's also the league leader in beating double teams. Now he's not getting to the quarterback as often as like a Hassan Reddick or, you know, some of these other guys that are, you know, Miles Garrett and such that are leading the NFL in sacks right now. But he's absolutely dominating everybody he lines up against, even the two guys that he's lined, lined up against uh, on, the, uh, on the offensive side. For the 49ers offensively, they've got their swagger back in running the football, and it doesn't matter who they hand the ball off to. It's Elijah Mitchell. It's Debo Samuel. It doesn't even matter. They're running the football at a great clip. And when you when you watch them run the football, it's not just you know thirty eight attempts at four yards per carry. It's like twenty one attempts at like seven and a half yards per carry. They get explosive plays in the running game, much like we saw from them during their Super Bowl season of two thousand nineteen. The Forty Nine ers are real. They're getting healthy, and they have the best offensive lineman in the league. And Trent Williams is less at left tackle. Forty Nine ers are going to be a problem in the NFC if they continue to play this way, um, and they've beaten some good teams this year as well. Number 10 on my power rankings, I have the Cincinnati Bengals, who just absolutely lambasted the Pittsburgh Steelers for the second time this season. You know me, I'm a, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I love watching Joe Burrow play. He's got a lot of swagger. He's got confidence. He's got everything you want in a quarterback. They do make a lot of mistakes uh, you know, they, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot. They have some troubles in the red zone. They get untimely turnovers. 
but they run the football extremely effectively. They've certainly found their running game last week uh, against the against the Steelers. And the defense has been playing a little bit better right now. They had a couple of real head scratchers. You know, they lose to the Jets. They get blown out by the Browns. And, you know, what was the Browns essentially last, uh, uh, you know, the last time they scored any kind of points worthy of winning a football game. But I like the Cincinnati Bengals at number 10. Number nine, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, what to say about the Cowboys? You know, there's so many things that you like about watching Dallas, individual pieces that they have, and then you watch them play, and you're like, why can't they give the ball to the playmakers? And why are the playmakers dropping the ball? Or why are the playmakers fumbling the ball? Why is Dak Prescott constantly on the move, running for his life from a four-man rush when they have one of the highest-paid offensive lines in the NFL? Not exactly sure about the coaching in Dallas. That's kind of where I'm like, I don't know if the coaching is so good. I don't know if the scheme is right. I don't know if the preparation during the week for practice is right. Something's off. And, again, Dallas kind of like the Rams have that potential to win finish the game you know finish the season with 12 wins or finish the season with eight wins it all depends on defense and the uh, the, the execution of their offense so I got the Dallas Cowboys at number nine right now but man they could be as high as five as low as 15 uh, in a few weeks so we'll continue to keep an eye on them all right the top eight coming up next right here on the NFL power rankings the Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Short segment followed by a really short break and then the top of the 8 o'clock hour. And because I've talked so much about the 11 teams below team number eight. I have to go quickly here through my top eight of the NFL power rankings. Number eight, I have the Buffalo Bills. Haven't beaten a good team since week five uh, in the Chiefs. They lost the Jags. They got blown out by the Colts. And the other teams they've beaten, the Jets, the Dolphins. Uh, They did beat the Saints who were tattered. But I have the Bills at number eight. They've got to figure out their offense. Offense is completely inconsistent right now. Josh Allen not playing at an MVP level. Number seven, I have the Titans. Titans are minus nine. Minus nine in turnover margin in their last two games. They basically have everybody except the quarterback hurt on offense. They've rostered an NFL record 86 players this season, and yet they still continue to win. I love their coaching, and I think they've, uh, you know, at eight and four, I think they've earned the number seven spot in my power rankings. Number six, I have the Ravens, another team that is completely beat up right now. Um, I know I, I may have the Ravens a little low, uh, but right now I just I, I just don't believe in you know, as much as I like John Harbaugh and how much of a, a you know of a completionist he is as far as all three facets of the game. They're just not as good as the top five teams. Speaking of the top five teams, number five, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They are starting to get better week to week. I love their coaching. I think that Patrick Mahomes once he has now settled down. He's looking a lot better. He's looking a lot more confident, not taking as many risks, and they're able to start getting some more plays downfield, which is the the entire predication of that offense. So uh, I have the Chiefs currently 7-4 and four at number 5 in my power rankings. And now the top four. In fourth position, I have the New England Patriots. I, I, I just... 
what can you say? Like, I hope the NFL enjoyed their one season off uh, from Bill Belichick dominating teams uh, for 60 minutes and having the best game plans in the NFL and really having a team that plays better than any other team that they play for the most part. They're not the best team in the NFL, but they play better than everybody right now. And they are. it's just a remarkable job that he's done there. And Mac Jones is going to win the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year running away. Number three, the Buccaneers, crazy talented. Defense is playing well. They're getting healthy again. That's a top three team, no doubt, maybe a top two team. Currently number two, the Arizona Cardinals, 9-2, and two, coming off of their, uh, their bye week. We'll talk with Tyler Drake. Tomorrow, the uh, our Cardinals insider will have uh, his insight and what the uh, the Cardinals have been doing during their break. See uh, if there's if the rumors about Cliff Kingsbury are still uh, running rampant there. So I have the Cardinals at number two at nine and two by virtue of their loss at home to the number one team, the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have an in, a, a remarkably good defense. Aaron Rodgers has a broken toe, isn't practicing, is still. One of the best two or three quarterbacks in the league. They continue to win in many, many, many ways, whether it's defense, special teams, offense. They're just a machine right now. Uh, The Green Bay Packers, best team in the NFL, in my opinion. I think a lot of other people's opinions as well. All right, so there's my NFL power rankings. I'll have it posted on Twitter if you want to see the the entire list. I'll have it for you there coming up uh, after the show. Coming up at the 8 o'clock hour, we have some uh, Arizona women's basketball tickets to give away. We'll talk Suns and Warriors, NCAA coaching carousel, Major League Baseball offseason. Holy smokes, a lot to come. Stick around. Just a two-minute break right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.